and welcome to another bite-sized episode from myself, not Nate, not Josh, but Mr. Wes, the Henshin Dad himself. And that is going to be the moniker that I pretty much just take with me to my grave because it's a good one. Mr. Wes, I, I like that. So today you might be wondering, well, why are you doing a bite-sized episode, Mr. Henshin Dad himself? Why are you doing this when you have your own video game podcast right now? And if you don't know about that, I'll talk about that a little bit later. And I answer to you, the listener, the reason I'm doing this is because, well, I, I still like the the whole bite-sized format, and it allows me to be a little bit more, I don't know, goofier, I guess. Maybe maybe that's a weird way of thinking about it, but I feel like, oh, with a bite-size, I can just be like, oh, yeah, let's just get into this. It's super exciting. But with my own podcast, I'm trying to be a little bit more, I don't know, stoic. It's hard to say. But it lets me play around in other people's playgrounds a little bit, so I guess that's kind of where I'm at. So that's why I am here doing this. And today, I am going to talk to you about something that is not necessarily like a video game, but it is video game adjacent, you know? We're, we're nerds, we, we like our video games, we like our, our comics, we like our cool movies and TV shows and everything. And today I'm going to bring you a manga series that you may or may not have actually read. You probably won't be surprised that it actually exists because, you know, the series is like huge and gigantic and obviously it's going to you know spawn off these types of media pieces and that is the pokemon adventures manga but in japan it was called something different it's called pokemon special why is it called pokemon special i don't know well i guess if you wanted to get like you know specific and accurate you would call it pocket monster special because you know Pocket Monsters, generally the proper nomenclature in Japan, but I'm just going to call it Pokemon Adventure because, well, that's that's just what I know it as. That's pretty much it. <laughs> so, but Pokemon Adventures. Now, this is a Japanese manga series that is obviously running concurrently with the Pokemon franchise as a whole, not necessarily telling the story of the game exactly, but adapting the story of each game. So as each new game generation comes out, each new set of games, the manga tends to shift and tell you a different story from that different region using similar characters, but with a little bit of a twist. It's not like the anime because let's be honest, Ash is not like a very interesting character. And yet he has been the protagonist of the anime for, I don't know, has it been running for a thousand episodes? Probably at this point. I don't really know. I haven't been keeping up with the anime because it just, I don't know. To me, that just doesn't feel as interesting. It's pretty standard shonen fare. But with the manga, it is not an adaptation of the anime, but it, rather its own thing entirely. It's, well, the creator of Pokemon, Satoshi Tajiri, he once stated that this series is basically as close to his imagined understanding of the universe of Pokemon as it could. And coming from the creator itself, that's pretty high praise. And I would also add that this manga tends to deal with a lot more subject matter that you would not necessarily see in either the games or the show or even the movies at this point. The movies have a little bit more leeway because, you know, they're the big blockbusters and they can maybe get away with more action-y type stuff. But the manga is something I think is just truly special. And I've been reading it for a long time. And I don't really know when I started because, well, let me back up again. When it was starting to get translated into English, I I know I was keeping up with it as best I can. There's a few different manga series that came out. Some of them were more comedic. Some of them were just kind of weird, honestly. And a lot of them were being translated into English because Pokemon was just like, you know, it's, it's a behemoth. It was like super, super big and the fad just kind of never died. But Pokemon Adventure is 
different than that. And I, and I keep coming back to that. So what what is it really? Well, the main idea behind this is that, well, it starts off with red and green, which is, you know, red and blue in America. But in Japan, it was red and green because green was switched to blue. I don't really know why they did that, to be perfectly honest, because red and green are complementary colors on the color wheel. But or are they? I don't remember the exact term. They're on the color wheel. They're like the exact opposites, but they're complementary, I guess. I don't really know. Suffice to say, the manga starts off with a big focus on, you know, basically the title character, Red. And he is the one that is the protagonist. He is going around. He makes friends with Professor Oak, gets his first Pokemon. You know, the things that you would typically remember from the the story of the red and blue and green games. So it's pretty basic. But the thing about it is, is that it doesn't take very long for it to get into the series before things just kind of like take a bit of a... I don't want to say dark, but kind of a more of a sinister turn. It feels like what they did was they took the skeleton from the games themselves and actually like added a whole lot of depth around it. I, that's kind of a weird analogy. I don't know. It, but th they took what was the general concept and they really built upon it. For example, like you have these different gym leaders and in the games, the gym leaders are pretty basic and static characters. They just sit there at the gym. You know, they're, they're, they got their, you know, one or two personality traits that they communicate with you before and after battle. And that's pretty much it that you would see from them. But in the manga, it's interesting because, well, I'll spoil a little bit of it. I'm, I'm trying not to like really go into spoilers because like this is just something that you have to really read to not only believe, but it, it's a really good experience. But with the gym leaders, like they are very integral parts of the plot. So I'll even say like right off the bat, some of the gym leaders are actually evil. Like there are actually evil gym leaders here that are working alongside Team Rocket or, you know, whatever the sinister force is. You kind of find out a little bit more by the end of the first initial run. And they are kind of at odds with each other. Some of the gym leaders are great people. They work alongside Red and they they're, they're trying to, you know, bring about peace in the Pokemon world, but then you have this opposing team that's even more like evil and they're working along with Giovanni and Team Rocket and really that entire first section is about Team Rocket and really like, honestly, a really like crazy like battle, honestly. And it goes into a little bit more in the next arc, but that arc covers like the first three or four volumes. It has a beginning, middle, end. It's really clearly like set up, it ends. It has a very satisfying ending. And then there you go. You would think that's the end of it. But they decided to continue. Now, when the yellow edition, the special Pikachu edition released on the Game Boy, they decided that they were actually going to continue to expand the manga into the yellow arc. And I'm not going to spoil what the yellow arc is, but what they do that's really interesting is that they actually kind of completely shift perspective on who's the protagonist of this story now. At first it was red, but now it is actually this character of Yellow that you are following. And Yellow has a Pikachu, and Yellow actually is on a quest to go find Red because Red has disappeared. And, you know, he's kind of even legendary at this point because he's, you know, the champion of the Pokemon League. And he just disappears. And so Yellow is actually on a mission to go find him. And through that, you also find out a lot more of these layers about the gym leaders and the world of the po like Pokemon and Team Rocket and everything. And it's just, it's really interesting. It's just like, okay, what's the mystery behind Red? Who is this Yellow character? Why does Yellow know Red? And, you know, on a side note, obviously they use the different colors of the games for the main characters. It's kind of fun that way. Super cheesy, but it, it's at least easy to keep track of the characters when they're all named after colors. But 
Anyway, it goes through that story for a few more volumes. And then once gold and silver come out, the new generation of, or the second generation of Pokemon games, I should say, then it goes ahead and changes perspective completely again. And now you're following gold and silver, who are the new protagonists. Well, you know, protagonists and rival of this new series and they're in the Jota League, but it stays in the same world and it follows the same general timeline of the games. So it's a couple years later and obviously red and blue and yellow, they are actually like these important characters that people know about, but the main character that you are following is gold and to another, to a lesser extent, his rival silver. And that, that goes along for a few volumes. And then once the crystal version comes out, they introduce this female character named crystal and she enters into the picture and there's this real interesting emphasis on those who like actually wield the pokedex which i'm not going to get into but it's a really fascinating like through line through all of these different uh arcs of the comic i should say so and it, it just continues to spiral like that so you know as you get into ruby and sapphire boom it changes to hoenn and you have these new protagonists but the protagonists from the previous entries are still important and that's what i really liked about this it's that it has this really like grand connected world like all together this this pokemon adventures world like everything matters everything that red and blue and yellow did in those initial few volumes continues along you still see the effects of it you still see characters actually returning and i just find that to be very difficult <laughs> like that must have been a very difficult task and i don't know how much well obviously he didn't have anything planned out the author because I'm sure he gets like some news about what's happening in the Pokemon world because it's functionally like the official Pokemon manga at this point. because It's the only one that's stuck around as far as I know. But it's like you're almost writing by the seat of your pants and you're having to craft these entirely new characters that, you know, you see them in the games. But all of the protagonists of the Pokemon games are all blank slates, like all the player characters are blank slates. They're mute protagonists, and you basically have to input your own, like, personality into the entire game. But what this does is that it takes all those, you know, mute protagonists, and it gives them a personality. And that's what's really interesting about these main characters, because they are not the same. You, you would think it'd be really easy to be like, okay, rinse and repeat, we have a new generation, so we have the same protagonists. Okay, we're just going to use, you know, archetypal, hot-blooded, shonen male character versus, you know, cool-headed, you know, shonen rival character who's kind of antagonistic but kind of like not and everything and it would be really really easy for them to fall into that rut every single time and i know that to a, to an extent you, you can't like get around that like you're gonna have to do that unless you're like you know super genius character creator but what they do is that they really give a lot of these different protagonists really like different and interesting personalities like, obviously, Yellow is a character that was created just for the sake of the manga because there was a Yellow version, but it was still following the same red character in the game. But what they did is like, oh, no, we'll just take this female character that we are. Oh, well, I guess I kind of spoil a little bit there, but whatever. We take this character that didn't exist in the games, but we're crafting the narrative around her. And, and the same thing with Gold and Silver, like gold and silver you have your main characters of gold and sil of silver it's kind of hard to keep track of it so gold and he's very different from ash like gold is basically like the ash replacement or sorry red i should say the red replacement but he's very different he's a little bit more cocky and almost like more angry whereas red was a little bit more like he was definitely like you know fired up shonen protagonist basic basic vanilla shonen protagonist but he really changed over the course of his run that really continued along 
probably even today. I haven't read the most recent stuff, but it probably continues even to today. And I think the one that really gets me, well, there's a few actually. In Ruby and Sapphire, they use the, the male and the female protagonist. So you have Ruby, the male protagonist, and Sapphire, the female protagonist. But they don't necessarily want to just, you know, collect all the Pokemon, fill up the Pokedex or anything like that. Uh, in, in that one, they actually devise this contest where they have like 80 days for Ruby, the male character, to win all the contest ribbons, which contests were something introduced in the third generation. And then Sapphire, she just wants to battle all the gym leaders for the eight badges. So right then and there, they have this certain amount of time that they're working within in order to accomplish their goals. But the main male character is not accomplishing the, the typical goal that you would see in the games. And it's really interesting how they diverge from that and really tried to tie these characters in new and different ways. The other way that I think that they really did a, a good job like differentiating these characters is actually in the X and Y manga. So, well, in the arc, I should say. So X is the boy and Y is the girl, the male and female characters that you choose from those games. X, actually, what's interesting about them is that he had something happen to him, some kind of traumatic experience, and he is extremely depressed to the point where he doesn't want to be outside. He has to stay sheltered in this little canopy that gets carried around all the time because he's like suffering some kind of PTSD from an event that happened to him and what it has to do with his hometown and everything. And just throughout the manga, he is just the biggest downer in the world, which in the games, you never got that. Like that was not a thing whatsoever. So that's what I really like about this author and the way he's willing to really like deviate from the status quo presented in the games in order to come up with some kind of new material. Like I said, it would be very easy to just be like, all right, rinse and repeat, just take the games, boom, there it is, the manga version. Super simple, you know, and, and in many ways, the anime does that a lot, I, except in recent years. I feel like it has been getting better in recent years in terms of trying new things. But the manga really tries new things and really gets crazy, almost to like a fault, to be perfectly honest, because the manga can go some really crazy ways. And there are no shortage of like world ending crises, 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 however you say that. There's no shortage of that. And obviously, like <laughs> the, the power creep between the different legendaries and everything is very interesting, especially in this manga world where people actually do capture the legendaries and they do use them. And a lot of those are the main characters and a lot of those are the villains. And this is like, man, this is just crazy stuff. And one of the last things I really enjoyed about this is also that when the remakes would come out of the different generations. So, for example, you have red and blue, but then you have fire red, or sorry, red and green, and then fire let red and leaf green. This is really hard to keep track of. Fire red and leaf green were the Game Boy Advance uh, remakes of the original red and green. But what they did is that they actually, during that interim period where those were the only new releases, they actually went back to that story section in the manga and covered like, okay, where are these protagonists, you know, such and such amount of time later? What are they doing now? And with that, you get some like character redesigns, like in and how they look. So you can really show the differentiation between how they were when they were kids and how they are growing up. And that's just a really cool thing to see. I, I don't know. It's just something that's really fascinating to me. It, you know, as you're, you, you just think about this. You are an author in charge of adapting one of the best-selling video game series, a series that is very, very loved, but is also getting a lot of criticism these days for rehashing the same old thing or really not making a lot of developments. But you're an author, and you got to take these different ideas, and you only have one of two ways. You can slavishly like stick to the main thing and just recycle the same thing, or you can really go somewhere different. And I really enjoy the fact that he does go somewhere different, that he really tries to make it something that's his own. To the point where, like the, like I said at the beginning, the original creator said, wow, this is pretty much exactly what I pictured. And 
that's I, I really like that. Like, there's just something about that that's refreshing. And as a Pokemon fan who hasn't necessarily been like the biggest fan of all these different like games and remakes that have come out, I you know, it, it's just something like it's offering me something new in a world that I know so much about. And in, in a world where, like, like I said, I've been there since the red, blue, and yellow days. I have played every single game some of them multiple, multiple times, hundreds of thousands of hours, probably. I don't even know at this point into Pokemon. So it's like, I know these worlds and I know these characters through my perspective, but to seeing them from the perspective of somebody else, somebody who's obviously a lot more creative than me, I don't know. There's just something that's just really cool about that. Like, and in many ways, this might be like one of the most, it's definitely very underrated and underappreciated and it's not very well known, but it's definitely one of those times where the adaptation almost like exceeds the work that it's adapting. And I just think like, I don't, I can't think of any other times where that actually happened, but like if I had to choose between, you know, playing one of the Pokemon games and kind of blitzing through this manga, there are times where that would be like a coin toss. Like I could very easily just enjoy going through the manga and reliving certain parts that I've really enjoyed. And that would be enough to get my Pokemon fixed. So if you are interested whatsoever, in reading this, I will say the numbering is kind of confusing as they've released it in the US or actually, I guess, in the, it, to the English speaking audiences, because they tend to like start over like they got to a certain point, I think, with Diamond and Pearl, and then they hit black and white and then they started renumbering everything from number one. So each arc is like one through however many volumes, which is super frustrating, Like to be perfectly honest. I wish they would just have like, boom, here's one through 62. But unfortunately, they don't have that. They did start doing that recently, though kind of sort of so if you want to read this i would definitely suggest like if you just kind of want to get like a taste of it your local library probably has copies of it because they are very popular i know that at my local library in the little podunk town that i'm in they have almost the entire like series like almost all 60 something volumes right then it right there and you can just like take them whenever you want so you can borrow them for your public library they also have them digitally through Kindle. And I don't know if it's through Comixology as well, but I would say the Kindle option, if you really like want to start investing in it, is not a bad idea. If you have a, a decent Kindle, like a Kindle, like just a regular Kindle Touch or a Kindle Paperwhite or even one of the brand new Kindle Oasises, which are really cool, honestly. I have one, it's really good. But reading it through that, honestly, is super like neat because all the art is very vibrant. You can really see it. Um, a lot of the manga paper is pretty cheap and it, I don't know, I just don't really like the feel of the paper to be perfectly honest. It's really like starchy, but like reading it on Kindle, like they really clean it up and, and make it look nice. So I would definitely suggest that. But the, the, the other option is that they've started actually releasing these compendiums of at least the first, like, what is it? The first three generations, I think. So I think from red and blue to, uh, uh, Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald. So it, there's only 10 volumes out right now, but each one is like a three in one. So you're effectively getting like 30 volumes worth of material as you collect them. And I think they're pretty cheap. Like I, when I, I, I pre-ordered every single one of them and they were about, I don't know, 18 to $20 a piece when I pre-ordered them, I bet they're down to about 12 to $15 a piece. So that's, you know, 12 to 15 bucks for a really nice high quality paper three in one volume and they all look really cool next to each other honestly and they all like take the different colors of their respective eras and just, they just line up really nicely is all i can say so if you like you know showcasing these really cool little manga volumes on your shelf i would highly recommend that but that's pretty much all i have to say about the pokemon adventures manga 
I, I think it's one of the best things Pokemon has ever put out, to be perfectly honest. And I think it's actually better than a lot of the more recent games. I really wish they would make a an adaptation of the Pokemon Legends Arceus game, because that would be super cool in manga form. I think that's actually probably the one that's, in terms of tone and in terms of like designs and everything, I think that would definitely be the one that would be the most like the, the manga. But I don't know. I'd, I'll leave that to you to decide. But that's it. that's it. Pokemon Adventures. I highly recommend it. Just start with one and go from there. Or if you are a particular fan of a certain game, like let's say you, you really like Diamond and Pearl and you really didn't care for what, you know, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl did as the Switch remix. Well, you can just go and get the Diamond and Pearl volume. And while they will have connections to those original volumes, because, again, this is all one continuous universe and they, everything affects everything else in some way, shape or form. You can go ahead and like read that particular section and you'll figure it out as you go. There's a lot of little biographies and little written up essays that they have in the volumes themselves that explain like, oh, okay, if this character shows up in the past, we're going to explain who this is. And we're going to tell you, you know, like comics did for so long in, in America. Like it's like, oh, see issue, blah, 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 to see the origin story of such and such a character. But highly recommend it. Check it out. I am Wes. I have been Mr. Wes, the, the Henshin Dad, and also the new podcast uh, host of the Retronym podcast, which is a retro gaming podcast, or just kind of retro anything at this point. I'm I'm kind of branching out a little bit and seeing. I, I'm talking about a lot of eclectic stuff. I have episodes all the way planned through December, so there's going to be some interesting mixtures there of different topics that I like to cover personally. It's a solo podcast. It's a little longer than my Hench and Dad stuff, and maybe a little bit shorter than a bite size, so it's kind of in the middle there. Definitely check that out. Uh, I spell it kind of weird. It's R-E-T-R-O-N-I-M, retronym, which is a misspelled because I swapped the I for the Y. And I don't know. Go listen to my introduction. You'll see exactly why I did that. But anyway, thanks for listening. And I don't know, uh, beat down uh, your, your finances and clear your backlogs and break down the benefits of buying Pokemon because it's really cool and it's really fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Backlog Breakdown. If you want to join in the conversation, you can email us at thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com or join our Facebook group, The Backlog Book Club, on Facebook. And on Twitter, our handle is at BBDownCast. Of course, you can also catch Nate and I on our social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and the GG app. I go by Broccolope, that's spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E, and Nate goes by Nate underscore McKeever. Till next time, loggers, you keep beating down those backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits.